I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm direct to the fifth element. I highlight the fifth element hip hop. It's knowledge. Ben's got two screens. He's thinking bigger. Too early in the morning, two screens, too many vinyl on the wall. Oh, too many bars right now. Hi, Ben. How's your week, Ben? What have you listened to this week? There's never too many vinyls for one month. I'll tell you what I've been listening to is a lot of like, Kevin Gates just saying some wild stuff. <laughs> Kev, I, I'm not going to lie. Kevin Gates is the best headline game in the game. It's always going to say some wild stuff when you interview. Uh, but I got into a few albums, Nessie Momodu, um, the first one, I mean... Charlie and I were talking about Minaj off air. Charlie's going to talk about it a lot more than me, but if you go listen to that song right now, pause this and go listen to that song, you're going to be primed for Charlie's Charlie's breakdown. But he put me onto this, and I think it's uh, MCing at its finest. You know, Nezzy's commanding and dexterous. She kind of weaves in these double entendres and hidden meanings so effortlessly. You know, lyrical references, she references Goosebumps. Uh, I think that was off the pack. Then she interpolates Little Wayne during On God. Uh, these just add more layers and texture to the tapestry, and the production is A1 on here. It really opens the door for Nezzy to drop rapid fire on Annie up. She hits us with this halting flow on NEZ, uh, punches the beat on uh, the pound. Like, this is just it's just top tier I'm seeing. It really is, you know, really top tier. Um, I think I think Minaj is the most intense song I've heard this year. Uh, I was definitely blushing listening to it. But, you know, knowing how hard the U.S. major label market is pushing into Nigeria right now, I would be a bit surprised if she isn't snapped up in the not-too-distant future because she has a lot of talent, a lot of skill. She might not want to go in that direction, uh, which I fully respect. But if she does, the whole package, the absolute whole package is there. Uh, We've got (coughs) from the the divine to the not-so-divine, Calvin Harris, Funk, Wav, Bounces. (laughs) Can I just say... Die, just die on the hill then. Just die on the hill. I'm not going to save you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm jumping off the hill. I'm just going to, before I even talk about it, I'm just going to say right now, you were right. I'm jumping off the hill. <sighs> it's not worth it. Carry on. The problem, the only problem with this album is, and I said this uh, in the track review I did last week of the Pharrell, I don't know what it was, some other, some piece of trash that he put out. Basically, he did it really cool with the first Funk Wav Bounces Volume 1 where he got a bunch of really cool rappers and really discordant artists and brought them together over very poppy dance instrumentals. And it was cool because it was new and it hadn't been done this way before. And, you know, DJ Khaled was still doing the posse cuts, but he was doing the mid-tier posse cuts. You know, Kevin Harris, the beats weren't great on the first iteration of this, but they were okay. They were cool. The texture was cool. This is terrible there is no saving grace on here it is boring it is dull it is so lame like the final track with Pusha T and Pharrell even the Buster song which is the best song on the project in my view it's really? sim- interesting it's okay it's okay because but but 
But the the beat, oh, Buster saves it somehow. It's like the the final quarter, the final two seconds, and Calvin Harris has scored fifty touchdowns against his own team, and Buster finally puts one on the board for the good guys. Like, oh, it's a, it's a rough listen, man. And I knew this was going to happen. I really did because I didn't think Calvin Harris could do it again. He just doesn't seem to have the the nuance for this kind of project. He's just a sledgehammer, man. He's just a gym bro, fist pump, stereosonic. You know, that kind of energy, and it did not work on this. Uh, and everyone I've seen, I've seen a couple of people say it's okay, but everyone else I've seen saying, nope, this is a strong swipe left, swipe left and left and left on every song on here. Not a good album. Uh, Bobby Schmurter put out a new album. It's okay. Uh, it's not as good as Rowdy Rebel's album. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm confused where Bobby Schmurter goes from here. Um, you know, I, I'm sure he has a really dedicated local fan base and I really hope he's, you know, being supported by them and they're coming to his shows and, and stuff like that because, you know, I really respect what he's been through and I know he's been through a lot of hardship. Um, but yeah, the album is really, it's not hitting that hard. It's okay, but again, I think it, it could be much harder than that. Uh, we've got Low End Activist, Hostile Utopia. I sent this to Charlie. It's like this UK garage drum and bass project oh, I I forgot something. it's fire it's so fire like i f- the first song i heard was that track with um one of the the rapper i forget which track it was i haven't got the track list up in me and i i heard her on the bleep playlist if anyone knows the bleep playlist it's this uh playlist of like really cool underground electronica that gets dropped every week you know artists with between 500 monthly listeners and twenty thousand. so like really down down in that underground and yeah man this project i thought it was going to be a rapper producer project and it was going to be in this grimy kind of way but it's not it's like straight up garage drum and bass electronica and there's a couple of rappers that pop on every now and then but yeah man the the energy on this is so so great i love it so much it's um it's a fire project uh we've got leave and bobby O'Killum, the grim adventures of leave i really love leave i think that he's getting into some really dark psychological areas on these projects he's been releasing lately um you know, really heavy distortion on the production, really distorting his own vocals, mixing them super low, getting like really down into the the mud of the track and just stomping around in it. And, you know, I guess you could call some of these lyrics horrorcore, uh, some of the visuals going along with it. That's kind of the aesthetic he's going for right now. But he's a very adept rapper. Uh, sorry, a very adept rapper. He's also very adapt. Adapt is not a word, well, it is a word, but it's, it's adaptable. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Tony, Tony Bolton on again. <laughs> he's a very adaptable rapper, but he's very adept too, and he can spit. He can definitely spit. And, you know, if you're looking for some kind of clipping slash, uh, you know, that kind of area, that kind of energy, then this is where it's at, man. This is this is the underground. This is I think he's going to blow up. And finally, we have Carly Enter. Carly is the first lady of YSL, and this is her first full-length project. It's not light on guest spots. But actually, that's surprising to me because it's hardly the main draw card. Yeah, there's a few, but it's not like they didn't just shove. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like Eve's first album, you know, First Lady of Rough Riders, where they just put, 
you know, five rappers on every song. It wasn't like that at all. Um, you know, they could have thrown Thug and Gunner on every second track and it would have sold 50K first week. But instead, they allowed her the room to shine and show her artistic range. Uh, Chit Chat, which is the opener, kind of implies the album will be populated by hard-hitting trap instrumentals and Carly flexing her lyrical muscles. But it's much deeper than that. You know, she sings on Gotta Get Touched, the next track. Then we get a standard pop rap ballad on My Type. Uh, we've got a Doja Cat slow burn on Someone Like Me. Then we get the Rico Nasty number on Ballet. Uh, we get that Lil Nas X production from Montero on Bad. Uh, not that he produced it, it was just the sound of Montero. Then this spacey, thoughtful beat on Boondocks, which inexplicably sees her going back and forth with um, Bad Barbie, Bad Baby. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I've tried to avoid everything to do with her. Uh, but, you know, it's not even a bad song, actually, which is insane. And she gets Yodi on Blind. Uh, he drops some of the wildest bars of the year. I'm not even going to repeat them because it might just get our podcast struck from Spotify if I do that. Uh, but this is a really this is a really solid project. Um, it's following that sampler format that so many pop slash hip hop albums are following now, like Coil Ray, Five Year Foreign, etc., where you hit them with every style you can possibly do and see what sticks and what uh, gets playlisted the most. And then the next album, that's where you focus your attention. So I, I do like it. They're really trying to work her the right way. So yeah, shout out Carly. That was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah. So, um, memes aside, um, I've got into plenty of decent work and also just some really um, start off with uh, Murs and Rob Victim's Cavalcade of Cosmic Crips and Ooh. Interplanetary Pyrus. Amazing yeah. name. Um, not amazing EP. Um, it's fine, actually. Not going to lie. It's, it's fine. It's just one track that does my nut in. Um, and this is a thing that Murs just does, and it's, and I, I don't know why. Like, just I, I need him to chill. To chill with the song so explicitly about smashing is just... <laughs> It just doesn't work, my guy. Like you, you are carrying the flag for my cultural crusade of men not doing sex bars on on fucking songs, bro. You are leading the charge. Sometimes I tell you, Breaking Glass is horrible. I, I, I just, I, I wish if the genius lyrics were up right now, I would, I would throw them to you guys. But just go listen. Just give it, give it a spin. You will see exactly where I'm coming from. And while you're listening, ask yourself. Who the fuck is this for? Because it ain't for women, it ain't for men, and I don't think Murs is that educated in gender studies to really, uh, you know, uh, uh, nails a certain crowd on that front. Um, not very, not going to get niche on on the gender front. So I don't know who's this for. I don't know who that that track is for. But the rest of the EP is fine. Uh, it's four other solid tracks, good beats, nice and chill. Um, and he and and also it's GIF, not GIF. Stop it! All right, stop. Let's, let's, let's put that to bed. I don't care if the founder says GIF. It says G. I'm gonna call it GIF. Go away. All right, or Joe away. Oh wait, yeah, exactly, exactly. See how that works? All right, get off my dick. All right, <laughs> Nesmo Modu, uh, the pound. Um, I mean, Ben talks about the rest of the rest of the um album, and it's great. It's, it's great. definitely on the long list uh, for the al- for album list um, for me personally, uh, and. <laughs> Let's talk about Minaj, because Jesus Christ, bro. <laughs> bro she, she, I, I wish I, I wish I wrote, I wish I wrote, the, I would have written the lyrics down if I, if I really, if I didn't, if I had the wherewithal to actually think about this ahead of time. But 
Guys, this might be the raunchiest song I've ever heard in my life. You think send can we can we get a, can we get a, like a drive to can we have like a social media drive to uh send Ben Shapiro this song? Oh no. Uh, because he would fucking malfunction. That's like, not it would, fair would, on act, him. You think you think WAP is is isn't is raunchy? Nah. Nah. He just on, melts into a pool levels. of male inadequacy on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> different levels, ladies and gentlemen. I, I would go as far to say, I don't think I've heard a little Kim song as raunchy as this. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe bars, maybe a couple of lines, but not a song like no, this. No. Nobody's doing it like, no. like Minaj. I'm sorry. It is a, it's the, the hardest raunch track I've ever heard. Like she, I was did you trying to, I was trying to listen to it as you were talking. And there was one line where she just goes, um, I, th- I, th- I think she says, like, <laughs> I don't like it up the ass unless the finger's up my ass. Yeah. Or something like no, that. From it's behind. Just, I like, think she just, says, I don't like it from behind. I don't, li- I don't like it from, I don't like it from the back unless the finger's in my ass. Something like that. It's just <laughs> that level of just, wow, just kink shit. Just <laughs> constant kink fucking shit. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely <laughs> outstanding bops. Like, just, and, it's, and it's crafted so fucking well. Yeah. It's an it's actual bop as well. Like, just beats as well. Um, I remember she said in the intro, like, a uh, 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 kind of Dallas ain't doing it, ain't, uh, ain't uh, is doing it different. And that was kind of fascinating because I haven't, I don't think I know any rappers from Dallas. I can't imagine. Mm. I can't think. I can't, not, it's usually Houston, isn't it? It's usually Houston that the, where the musicians come from. But, um, yeah, man, shout out to Nesimo. Fuck. Like, I just, yeah, that, that, that track alone is just crazy. Um, anyway, Kokoroko, Could We Be More? Um, outstanding uh, low, uh, UK uh, jazz group. Um, this is their, I think, their second album. The latest release. Well, yeah, they had Bad By Yula as well. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's and an EP. So, yeah, this is kind of like the first album I would say. And um, yeah, they just uh, let me let me shout these names: uh, Sheila Maurice Gray, Cassie Kenoshi, Richie Sevrier, Oname uh, Edgeworth, Toby Adenike, Yan Kabede, Duane Atheli, and Ayo Salawu. Um, oh, this is just like it's jazz. It's fused with a little bit Afrobeat in there, just just a little bit more about instrumentation more than actual sounding like Afrobeat. Um, but there's just some really really tough tracks on here: um, "War Dance," "Soul Searching," uh, "We Give Thanks." I love the I love the lyrics on that one. Oh wait, on those good times, the lyrics on that one is just so so heavenly. I really enjoy that. Um, and yeah, the the whole album is just really it just goes across like a dream. It's 48 minutes, 15 songs, and it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful UK jazz with a little bit of um, Afro, uh, Afrocentric instrumentation as well, and uh, uses of said instrumentation. It's just, it's just a really, really fun, uh, fun listen and really replayable. I would say as well. Bobby Shimoda, <clears throat> GS9 gang, oh, uh, boy. I did listen. Um, nine. Um, I was. I kind of went. Uh, it's kind of like going back and forth in my head of just nine tracks. 19 minutes and wondering if that's an EP or not um because it I mean it goes it does go by fast right um I like whole brick um I like uh the Glock insides you know but uh, I don't know I think I feel like the I feel like it's kind of just throwing stuff at a wall and seeing if it sticks kind of thing there's kind of no rhyme or reason uh towards the track listing or why this track's here or anything like that it's really it gives me mixtape vibes, basically. It's just like here's 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 a 
here's a care package for you guys. Like, you know, just keep you just keep you over. That's kind of how I see it. Um, I don't know if that's how it was marketed or whatever. I don't look at that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's fine. It's cool for it's cool for what it is. Uh, Calvin Harris, <laughs> fun mm. Alright, So yeah, I I I literally was struggling to find a decent track, and um, the only one I can the only one that I I could listen to with a reasonable enjoyment is probably new to you with Normani Tanache and Offset. Um, the rest of it. I don't know, man. The rest of it is just always something wrong with it. Why is Snoop Dogg on here doing fucking crooning? Like, uh, why? Why? Uh, day one, don't get it. I don't like the beef already or not. I don't like the production for most of this, to be honest. It's kind of like Catronada light. Diet Catronada. I just don't know what is going on here. It's, it's always, and the reason why I like New to You is because the, I feel out of all the tracks, there has the production on that is reasonably entertaining, where... There's actual layers under it, but the others are just like it's <laughs> kind of like the same beat over and over again. Not gonna lie to you, mm. like why is Twenty One Savage on here, man? Oh, like, that song is bad. Just, that song is so I, bad. Yeah, he just doesn't it, fit that beat at all. And that's, that was work. meant to be the cool thing about it. They're not meant to fit the beat, yeah. but it's meant to sound cool. But they they didn't. Stefan Don. Tri- yeah, that's a terrible song Steph as well. Stefan Don should be all over a track like this. But she is the weakest on this track. Yeah. I don't get it. Coiler Ray beat her, bruv. Yeah, I know. That don't make sense. This is Coiler Ray's kind of production, but punching the shit out of this track. But she sounded meek. I'm just like, what are we doing here, man? Like, it doesn't work. And stay with me. Oh, fuck. Why is there two parts? Fuck off. God damn it. Um, I, I I'm not into black at all. I don't. I, that's just that's just me. That's a me problem. Um, is why I don't really enjoy that particular track. Um, I just don't find his voice that enticing at all. Um, but yeah, I just, it's just so much wrong all around the album. It just, uh, oh, God damn. At least, at least the first edition had like at least like three bangers that you can go home with. But damn, this is just maybe one for me. And I'm just like, wow. And I don't, and I don't usually think of albums like that when I'm just like trying to pick out tracks for something, but. That's the only one I can tolerate, the one with Normani, Tanache, and Offset. I just, apart from that, it's just the rest of it just can go in the pit, to be honest. I'd just rather not listen to it. It's just the blandest, like, shit you'd hear in a, in a, in a very, I don't know, uh, a very expensive bar that you go to on special occasions, but the music's just, like, generic, <laughs> generic dance music. So, like, oh, God damn. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Ben from, from a month ago, I swear. Um, because he was basically saying the same shit, but here we are. We live and we learn. All right, Dommy and JD Beck, not tight. Uh, shout out to Brandon for sh- throwing me this, and then I <laughs> and then I saw the Fantana review for it. I was like, oh, go on then. And um, yes, you know some good features: Thundercat, Mac DeMarco, Herbie Hancock, Anderson Pack. This is on Anderson Pack's label and is um uh uh, uh done by uh under Blue Note Records as well. Um, so that's cool. It's, you know, a lot of jazz fusion. Apparently, these two are very, uh, like, prodigies in in their field. Um, and uh, I can see it. I can see it. Um, it's a very... I, I kind of enjoy the tracks without features, funny enough. Um, Space Mountain, Sniff. Um, I will say the best track is probably Pilot, funny enough, with Snoop Dogg, Buster Rhymes. <laughs> and then some back. It's just hilarious listening to Funkwave of Volume 2 and then this. And then seeing Snoop Dogg and Buster Rhymes actually utilized properly mm. is crazy how that works. But um, yeah, uh, Moon with Herbie Hancock's a banger. Two Shrimps from Mac DeMarco's cool. I actually don't mind that. Um, and uh, Not Tight, the title track with uh, 
Thundercat on the bass as well is kind of interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I like the first few tracks as well on, on their solo tip. Um, sets up the album very nicely. This is a really nice album to this too. Nice jazz fusion um, and uh, a, lot of good, um, a lot of good rises and pe- uh, peaks and valleys here in, in the tension side. Um, and lastly, Yesterday is Heavy, Lil Silver. Um, it's dropped um, in July, mid-July. Um, I haven't actually finished it. I was kind of spinning it before we recorded, so I've got like two tracks left. But I can say with a general, uh, with the general confidence that this is a very good album. Um, he produces. I I think he has production in hand in a lot of this, um, if not all. Um, and it has this very. It, it gets into this very like oonts, but not but like a smooth oonts. Not like you know trying to get you energized, but. You know, just something in the car, like like a like trance, but just a little, a li- little turned down a bit, like a chill trance kind of thing. That's, that's why I'm trying to trying to think of it anyway. It's got this retro elements to it as well in the production. You get like you know the like eight bit kind of uh kind of sounds that you get. You know when you're playing the Super Nintendo Entertainment System or some shit. Um, kind of like those things as well. But you know, yeah, Samphone here. Um, I love the track with uh Skifall. Uh, called What If, great track, um, Bad Bad Not Good on here as well, Charlotte Day Wilson, Little Dragon on Be Cool, just go- just goes off on that one, kind of just, it's just basically a little dragon track with little silver productions, just really solid, really great track, it's just a really good album, really underrated, I sp- I'm, I'm surprised it's taking me this song to spin, um, and I kind of wish that people were talking about this more, um, I feel like this is a really good example of just... Um, kind of what I was talking about um, the other week uh, when I was talking about what UK music can, UK blank, black music especially, where it can go to because this has this R&B elements as well, especially when he's on, on the mic as well, uh, on the mic um, doing his, um, he's got a good singing voice as well, good vocals but past that it's just some really nice really nice chilled um, chilled trance I would call it I don't know if that's correct but you know it's kind of why why I go off, um, but yeah, really, really enjoyable album, really solid album, I'm gonna spin like the last two tracks, literally the last one is, uh, is uh, two of, uh, surf- one with Surfing With Feet and the Samphorin Gets on Steel, so I'm gonna look forward to that one, uh, but yeah man, really interesting week, <laughs> to say the least, uh, very eclectic, and with that said, we shall get into our topic of this episode, which is a edition of DITD Bites, I feel like I should always look up how many we've done before we do, we do this episode, uh, do episodes like this, and I never actually do. Uh, but yeah, um, we're doing a uh, DRTD bites, um, three topics or two, maybe three if we get into it. This is volume fourteen, um, and uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about. Um, well, Ben has a kind of a theme. Um, I've I mean, I've picked one as well, but uh, we kind of have a theme of. Um, well, take it away, Ben. What is, what's the theme that you uh, that you gleaned from the from the uh, stuff that we suggested? It definitely seems to be a theme of exploitation. Uh, this week, I think, exploiting artists, labels, uh, nastiness. Uh, I'm going to talk about what happened with Beyonce and Khalees. Uh, obviously, Beyonce was on, well, I'll tell you the story. Um, you know, she just released her brilliant studio album, Renaissance. Uh, it was the Friday before last. Now, uh, on one of the tracks, she actually interpolated Milkshake, uh, which is Khalees's, I think, 2003, I think it came out, is her hit. Um, so that 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 was interpolated on energy off Renaissance, and you know that that original track Milkshake it went number three on the Hot 100. But apparently, Kalise does not actually have writing credit on the track, and I bet this is the first time a lot of people realized that this was the case. 
It's Pharrell and Chad Hugo, a.k.a. the Neptunes, a.k.a. the group that we just spent all of July talking about. Now, I watched Fantano's video about this last week, and he said that in the video, Beyonce did actually credit Khalees on Energy, but she is not credited anywhere I can see. She's not credited on Spotify, which has a very long list of writers, including Pharrell and Chad Hugo. Um, she's not credited on Genius either, and Genius has Chad Hugo, Pharrell, Skrillex, The Dream, Tina Marie, Big Freeja. They're all credited as writers, but Khalees is not. And I assume there are other. There is another interpolation or another sample in there. I need to just look that up. But look, Khalees is not happy at all. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying that, well, at least Beyonce did credit her on energy. I can't find any, inf it's possible on the vinyl or the CD that she did, but on the internet, and this was all pre the sample being taken off, uh, because obviously Chad Hugo and the net and Pharrell are still credited. So Khalees is unhappy. Okay. Khalees is not happy. She said, uh, on Instagram, she called Beyonce out. She said, my mind is blown too because the level of disrespect and utter ignorance of all three parties involved is astounding. Nothing is ever as it seems. Some of the people in this business have no soul or integrity and they have everyone fooled. She also separately said this on Instagram, it's not a collaboration, it's called thievery because the definition of collaboration means that we are working together. All of the stuff she sings about, all this empowerment stuff, I don't wanna talk about it, I'm about it. Uh, sorry, she says, I don't talk about it. I am about it. Sorry. The reality is, and this is her still, this is still her quote. The reality is all this female empowerment stuff. It only counts if you really do it. If you're really living it and walking the walk, don't just talk the talk. Now she said she wasn't just angry at Beyonce, of course. She was super pissed at Pharrell and Chad Hugo. And this is not the first time she's voiced her displeasure. In a Guardian interview from 2020, she states, I thought it was a beautiful and pure creative safe space, but it ended up not being that at all. I was told we were gonna split the whole thing 333, which we didn't do. Um, now I will read the full excerpt from the Guardian because it's very interesting. Uh, she says she was blatantly lied and tricked to pointing specifically to the Neptunes and their management and their lawyers and all that stuff. As a result, she says she made nothing from the sale of her first two albums, which were produced by the Neptunes. Now, later in that article, it talks about her actually seeing Pharrell at a show he was playing and he nodded at her from that stage. And she, and this is the section of that article, I read it out. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna yell back, you stole all my publishing. So you end up nodding back and everyone thinks everything's great, like whatever. Would she work with him again? She looks at me as if I have asked if she would jump into a shark tank. Um, at that point, there's having faith and there's also just stupidity. So look, let's back it up a little bit here because first two albums, obviously Neptunes and Pharrell, Chad Hugo, all over those first two albums. I wanna think about what she's saying about Beyonce here because I think Khalees' anger is warranted, absolutely, but I do think it is misplaced because Beyonce is hardly the sole person working on her album. And I'd wager she is not the one on the phone to record labels and publishing holders, hammering out the financials on interpolations and samples. You know, I'm sure she gave the full credit to cursory glance, but it's unreasonable, in my view, to expect Beyonce to comb through the credits looking for any possible discrepancies. You know, as soon as Beyonce came aware of it, she changed it. Um, unable to properly credit Khalees and secure her payment, she decided to strike the milkshake interpolation from the track. Uh, obviously, probably only on streaming. I mean, you can't recall a vinyl record and then redo the entire vinyl, so that's gonna be on there in perpetuity. 
Um, but I actually think Beyonce has acted in good faith and seems to have done everything right at this point. I think Khalees' anger at Beyonce over this mix-up seems unrelated to issues with Beyonce's role as someone empowering females. Now, I don't want to totally strike the validity of what Khalees is saying. If she feels Beyonce is only paying lip service to female empowerment, that's her right. She would know far more than me. I'm not going to say, you know, how am I going to say that? But tying it to this issue with the crediting doesn't match up at all because Beyonce hasn't really done anything wrong. I mean, Beyonce interpolated Milkshake, classic song. The credit people did their crediting thing. Do you really think Beyonce was in that? And then the crediting people said, you know, we should really credit Khalees, even though Khalees isn't on the track. And Beyonce would say, no, I don't want Khalees credit on the track. We know that she wouldn't have done that because she just struck the Milkshake interpolation completely when she found out about the Khalees thing. So... It doesn't match up. I'm not really sure what's going on here. And I'm not going to go down that path because that's a whole different conversation. But I do think what Khalees said about Beyonce with female empowerment and how Beyonce talks about it, but Khalees is actually about it, that is separate, I think, from this crediting issue. I really do think that that was used as a way for Khalees to say that. I don't think Khalees is really... Because her anger at Pharrell and Chad Hugo is far more valid and relevant you know, in separate posts during this current incident, Kalisa actually said a few things about the duo. She says, Pharrell knows better. This is a direct hit at me. It's very petty. Now, if we look at Kalisa and Pharrell and Chad Hugo, they met through a mutual friend back in 97. And then the Neptunes helped secure a record deal with Virgin. And they began working on a debut album, Kaleidoscope, which would be entirely produced by the Neptunes. If you look at the credits, Kalisa only gets three writing credits on the entire 14 tracks suspended roller rink and in the morning the rest of the songs are solely chad and pharrell now in 2001 we get wonderland which Kalise at least gets nine writing credits uh, but she claims she wasn't getting paid off those albums because she didn't own publishing and it wasn't until tasty she started earning money and according to a guardian interview that was despite the fact that tasty came out on star trek uh, which is the Neptune's label. Now, in the Guardian interview from 2020, she claimed the reason she got to earn money off this album is because she enlif- enlisted different producers rather than just the Neptunes. We got Andre 3000, Rock Wilder, Raphael Sadiq, a whole bunch of different producers. So the issue in her not being paid on those first two albums seems to be writing credit, which is directly tied to publishing. If Khalees didn't even write the majority of her songs on those first two albums, I guess it would make sense that she wasn't paid. But this directly goes against something else she said in her IG post on the energy drama. She actually called Chad Hugo an amoeba and spineless, saying it's a miracle he can keep his neck up. Right? She then went on to claim that Pharrell... That's classic, right? Very harsh. Very harsh. Then went on to claim that Pharrell hasn't written a song or lyrics a day in his life. Now, this is not referring to anything else. I thought this was... I thought she meant in general. This is not referring to anything else that Pharrell and Chad have done. This is only referring to her first two albums. Now, it doesn't really make sense to me because if Chad Hugo is spineless and Pharrell hasn't written music or lyrics for Khalees, who produced those first two albums? Like, Khalees didn't take credit for the production, so Pharrell and Chad must have produced the albums, right? And it's super messy. And look, my perspective is that Khalees is upset at how the music industry works. And that really saddens me because we just got done talking about how authentic and genuine the Neptune seemed when in fact they weren't even crediting Khalees on her own songs. They may have a very good explanation for it, but we have never heard it 
because Pharrell and Chad don't respond when they're asked about it. So we really just have Khaleesi's side. And to me, look, this is my perspective on this, and I could be wrong in this, but that means that Pharrell and Chad's side is probably even worse than the narrative that Khaleesi is putting out there. Because why wouldn't they just explain themselves? If things are better than what Khaleesi is saying, why would you want that narrative? Especially now that it's gotten all this press around this Beyonce album. Why wouldn't you want to get your side of the story out? To me, that says that they're actually a little bit nastier than what Khaleesi is saying. Now, I have no idea what the specifics of those things are. But, you know, it just sounds weird that an artist like Khalees wouldn't be credited at all on the bulk of the songs she dropped on her first two albums. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the other side to this is Khalees' streams have gone up. Billboard published an article. Um, I'll have a look at the actual figures for, for Milkshake. But, yeah, man, Khalees' streams have, uh, have, have, have bumped up since this controversy. Uh, let's see what it says here. There's a silver lining for her. Streams of Milkshake were way up over the... This is from Billboard. Way up over the weekend. From last Wednesday, the day before Khalees posting on Instagram made the controversy public to Friday, the day of Renaissance's release, on-demand US streams of her track climbed from 73,000 to 111,000, a gain of 51% according to Luminate. So... <laughs> That was apparently not the only Khalees song to see a big weekend bump. Get Along With You rose. Uh, it rose from 3,000 streams in the US to over 66,000. That same time span, 2,516% gain. Like, that's crazy. That's a big jump. But yeah, I'm interested to see what you think about all this, Charlie, because uh, especially with regards to what... Khalees said about Beyonce and female empowerment and how that links up with this writing credit thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to get to that last because um, I want to get the funny shit out of the way. Um, but uh, firstly, uh, it's just f- funny as hell that you're talking about all that, playing to Khalees' not owning shit um, and you're gassing up Milkshake being upped in streams where if she was getting the, you know, like a... You know, if if streaming sites gave the actual money that eyes deserve, she still wouldn't get shit. <laughs> so, so hilarious. Regardless, so if she gets streams or not, it's kind of funny. Um, go see her at a festival, guys. Um, but you know, uh, and then when it comes to uh, Neptune's, um, yeah, I I just uh, mate, it, Pharrell's just you know been really busy. Um, you know, producing mid for Calvin Harris. It's fine. It's you know, he's just busy, just really busy. Um, just whacking up mid for uh for Calvin Harris, and also the human race shoes. You know, what I mean, you got got you know, got to be really focused on the positive designs and all that kind of stuff, of course. Um, but yeah, I you know, it is weird when um artists don't just or, or people are getting accused of shit, and I feel like that's um I don't know if it's more a a, a cockiness of just like oh it's Khalees, uh, what what power she got rah 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 might be that kind of attitude who knows of why why you don't respond you know what i mean wolves opinions of sheep all that all that crap um i don't know if they're that cynical but you never know uh or that power hungry so to speak but either it's either that or the other one which just they're you know they're amoebas <laughs> and, and Khalees is right uh maybe is that who knows um but you know that's all um what's the word hypotheticals um so getting to the meat of it there was a I, i'm not sure if you're aware of the um uh the writer bell hooks um amazing uh just a 
critique, critiquists, uh, uh, basically just a, a cultural critic in a lot of ways. Um, amazing pen game, great books, um, academic. Uh, she died. If, she died last year, uh, at the end of last year. But um, she did in 2014 after f- a Lemonade Drop. Um, this is what it kind of what were you when you were talking about you know Beyonce and a commitment, quote unquote, to uh, feminism and stuff like that. And black feminism as well. Um, it just reminded me of the Bell Hooks um, essay that she basically wrote. Um, put simply, she called uh, well Beyonce's image. She 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 critiqued on Beyonce's image um, as a quote anti-feminist and a terrorist for young women. Uh, so another quote here it is the broad scope of Lemonade's visual landscape that makes it so distinctive. Construction of a powerfully symbolic black female sister that resists invisibility. They refuse to be silent. This in and of itself is no small feat. It shifts the gaze of white mainstream culture. It changes always to look anew, uh, to radically revision how see the uh, how we see the female body. Now that was reasonably positive, right? <laughs> A little bit of praise, um, but she just she just goes in uh, much more. And this is this is just quotes I'm getting from uh, Portal Galades, um, which I think is Spanish or Portuguese. I think it's Portuguese. So. You know, uh, take it take it how you will. Um, but basically, more quotes here saying, um, "Contrary to misguided notions of gender equality, women do not and will not seize power and create self love and self esteem uh, through violent acts." I think referencing the hold up and the baseball bat in the video, um, and another one here: "No matter how hard women in relationships with patriarchal men work for change, forgive and reconcile, men must do the work of inner and outer transformation if emotional violence." Against black females is to end. We see no hint of this in Lemonade. Um, so you know, she she really got um, obviously the hive uh, really just shat on bell hooks, which is just a bit distasteful. Well, a lot of distasteful because um, bell hooks is much more um, in the grand scheme of things than just the person that crit- that had the had the audacity to um, critique uh, Beyonce. Um, just go read her books and read her essays. To be honest, um, if you want to go spin, but yeah, uh, it but reminded was, me of what that. What was the writer advocating for Beyonce to do instead of what she did on Lemonade? Because it sounds like the the writer is saying that Beyonce had no autonomy in that situation, and it was the pa- the patriarchal male in that relationship who it, the responsibility fell upon. I think I don't. I haven't read the entire essay, so I can't answer specifically your question, but. I will answer in a halfway where there I think she goes about it in she goes about it in the sense of you know Ivy Park for example right mm-hmm. let's think about this let's, let's zoom out for a little bit right Ivy Park um Adidas Beyonce collaboration you know the steez right um it's a, at the end of the day it's a capitalist entity right and you're taking a decent bit of fashion and you're selling and you're and you're kind of like giving it's it's Jay-Z all over again. It basically is it's female Jay-Z all over again kind of thing. Where you have the we give Beyonce this credit for, you know, being the being a uh, a vocal leader, quote unquote, right? Where, you know, she only drops albums, right? I don't really see her, you know, saying anything. And you don't need to. We've had this conversation when it came to Kendrick during the Black Lives Matter protests, right? We've had this conversation before. Um but I think where where Bell Hooks comes in and where she comes through the criticism, she has this another quote saying, "This is the business of capitalist money making at its best," and I agree with that because at the end of the day, it is. 
Um, and, you know, in some ways, why wouldn't she get the bag, right? <laughs> but I guess it's because, and this is obviously to Lemonade and not Renaissance, which I feel like is probably, if Bell Hooks was alive, a little bit different in, in commentary. Um, I, I, I mean, and maybe not because Renaissance, coming back to that, like I said last week, you know, that's, that's, that shit's not just for women, man, that's for the gays, that's for the femmes, that's for, yeah, that's for all of them, that's, that's, that's covering a lot of bases, when you do that kind of music, you know, you know what I'm talking about, you're catering to a lot of people, and they ain't me or Ben, um, so, but, (laughs) when it comes to coming back to Khalees, I get what you, I get what you're saying when it comes to, uh, her, being probably out of the out of the blame pie, probably having the least of it, or maybe none of it. You can make an argument for that, especially when she responded by taking off uh, the sample, which is you know the respectful thing to do in that in that case. If she hypothetically um, wasn't aware that she at least didn't have the correct credits, and then in response took it off, right? We can easily that can easily be believed. Um, and it can also easily be believed it came from a cynical perspective, um, but I would choose the I would choose the prior um, going with you on that. But I would say when it comes to Khalees's criticism on Beyonce as a whole, I think there's ground there, um, and I it's probably not enough for a podcast episode um, to get that to get in the weeds of that. I tried a little bit, just you know, tiptoeing in Bell Hooks criticism, um, but I. I do think Khalees has grounds to talk about that. Um, saying to Beyonce in general, um, you know, the only time we see her is when, when she has something to lash, like <laughs> when she has something to sell, when she has something to show you, right? I mean, shit, man. Like, I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't mm. know. It's just it, we we had this conversation with Jay, mm. and we did our three parter. And we had that, you know, very hour-long conversation just about Jay's, you know, black capitalists, um, you know, uh, c- uh, crown-wearing um, the, you know, the likes of Rick Ross and others and are trying to kind of take in some way. Um, and, you know, Beyonce's right there. Beyonce's right there. She's just trafficking in a very different space, i.e. the women, the black women, the gays, the femmes, all that, all that. The, the LGBTQs, like, she's going for that. She only comes through when she's selling something. That's not that's not criticism. That's just a fact um, to me. Um, so, yeah, I feel like Khalees has grounds in the general conversation of who Beyonce is and what she's uh, and what she's uh, what she's aiming for and what she, and her purpose as a as a as a international music superstar. Um, but the crediting is probably, yeah, more towards Pharrell and Chad Hugo. Um, which I do agree comes off as very cynical and a little bit pay. Well, the thing I, the thing I don't like about what Khalees said is if yeah. you're going to level an accusation of that magnitude at someone, then you're going to have to back it up with more than writing credit. Like that was my, my main point is I'm willing to entertain that theory, but I don't know. I have enough information to go off at all. Khalees has not given us any information about why she feels that way apart from this crediting thing, which was immediately, you know, revoked when Beyonce took her off, took Milkshake off. So the other side of it is, and, and I do think it's a fascinating conversation. Again, it, it is hard because Beyonce does control the narrative around her career. And so a lot of the time people that are just too. 
got a lot of power there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's the way there. it is, right? When you when you ascend to that level, you control the narrative. You you have enough money to control the narrative. You have enough sway to control the narrative. And I think that any conversation that has to be had around this kind of thing can really only be done via her music because we can look at what she's presenting to us, uh, you know, outwardly and publicly. But we have to, we have to understand that we are not going to be even scratching the surface of Beyonce's daily life, what she's doing, who she's talking to, the meeting she's having, who she's donating to. And so I actually think it's quite disingenuous for anyone to criticize Beyonce on the information that we have because we do not have enough information. Now, you can criticize Beyonce for not giving us enough information. You can say, we want to know more. Uh, what are you What are you doing in this realm? Where are you donating? You know, what grassroots movements are you supporting? We can ask for that information, but without that information, no criticism is going to be valid because we just can't know. Someone has to do a deep dive. I mean, you know, I interviewed Zach Amali Greenberg, for example, and he did uh, Empire State of Mind, where he wrote a whole book on Jay-Z, an unauthorized biography. Now, he did the research. He actually went into Jay-Z's businesses and all of his business dealings and all of the publicly available information and some not publicly available information, and he brought it to us. Now, that is something that is open for discussion at this point now because so much is known about what Jay-Z has done in those areas, but very little is known about what Beyonce is doing in those areas. And again, that could be by design. It could be to protect her from these kind of conversations, but it's doing a very good job of it because I'm not going to dive into a discussion around Lemonade and I'm not going to dive into a discussion around female empowerment without having anywhere near enough information. I mean, it sounds like this person's written an entire essay based on the lyrical content of lemonade which is good but it's so, like that's fine that's cool you can do that but you have to remember that that is a self-contained thing you're reviewing an album you're not reviewing a person you're not reviewing what that person is doing you're not reviewing their life and and their life's work and their contribution to feminism you're reviewing lemonade in that way that's all you can do and you can look at her previous albums and you can look at renaissance in that way as well because that's what she's giving to us but you know, I think it's an incredibly slippery slope for anyone to start, especially in hip hop. You know, I'm not going to say just R&B, just pop, just soul, uh, especially in hip hop. If you're going to start judging an artist's life and life's work based on their lyrical content, I mean, we know as hip hop fans that that is just not going to work. It's just not possible. It doesn't work like that. You know, you can't take everything an artist says as gospel and take everything they're saying as literal and like this is exactly what they're doing and this is the only thing they're doing and this is all that like it doesn't work like that art doesn't work like that so that would be my only response to what you said i think what you said was fascinating and i I wasn't aware of this essay i want to go read it but um i still do believe that you know if Khalees wants to have this conversation about beyonce and female empowerment by all means have it but bring us more information than just she didn't know that you weren't credited on milkshake like that's You know what I mean? Like that is a very, very, very shaky ground to build an argument like this on. And this is a big, big argument. These are big statements. These are huge statements. You can't base it off something like this because we have no idea. And again, it's by design. Beyonce doesn't give us as much. She hasn't even put out a statement. She's just quietly removed the sample, but we do not have enough information to go off. Yeah, I will say personally, I feel like the essay kind of uses Beyonce as a, um, and Lemonade specifically, as a 
kind of like a jumping off point um, as an as a as an exhibit A of uh, how uh, of how kind of like violence and <laughs> she has another one called fantasy feminism, quote unquote, which is kind of hilarious to think about. Um, I feel like she uses it as a platform just to jump off uh, uh, to do to do to talk about a certain subject. Um, and you know, she's talked about. I mean, I mean, Bell Hooks' career kind of spans decades, so you know, you, you guys can uh, feel free to jump right in on that front. Um, she's a very fascinating uh, academic and writer as well. Um, so yeah, but I, I feel like uh, Khalees kind of just um, uh, it just opened, kind of like just scratched the surface for for the sake of it. Um, and there's just no way. Uh, that 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 conversation is going to be had on the public, uh, on on any public space in a proper manner. Mm. Not even this, to be completely honest. Because, <laughs> like I said, we, we we ain't got we ain't got the day. But um, you know, I kind of just again want to scratch the surface of her scratching the surface. Um, but yeah, regardless of that, just know that you know that that's that's not gonna that ain't gonna fly wholesale like just what i've said what ben has said is not going to fly wholesale it's going to be if that if we really wanted to have a conversation it'll be a very long one um and one that probably would never even uh require not require but never even uh seek the get the attention of beyonce herself um maybe you know her tons of fucking uh Twitter pages that are dedicated to every single minute and second of her uh, life and just every re- chart she hits and every number and every number milestone she hits and we and love those pages and we respect them and we, we admire them and I will always support those pages. I'm here for those pages. Ben, Ben, Ben speaks for himself. Go fuck yourselves. All right, let's continue. Let's jump right into mine where we were talking about label shit in some ways. We're talking about the mainstream in some ways. Biggie. Yeah. Biggie, 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 biggie. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's been a revelation. Now, I have, I, I have a, uh, as if you've, if you've listened to DITD in the past few years, um, you may know that um, uh, me and Ben have uh, conflicting views when it comes to the outlet that is uh, Vlad TV. Um, I kind of go for more the meme slash kind of serious slash kind of not side of he's the feds um and ben thinks of him as a very valuable resource which i can agree with as well on the other side but he's still a fed um and during one of his uh, just sessions right one of his uh, interviews a notorious b1 a rapper that you may not have heard of um actually dropped um a year before notorious biggie's juicy uh, B, Notorious B1 uh, from Mississippi, if I'm correct, um, released a track called Juicy Fruit. Now, if you go listen to that track, um, I oh, fuck it, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw the link in the full show notes. I'll throw the YouTube link, whatever. Um, if you go spin that track, you will you will you'll gather that there's some similarities. I I would I would I would put it lightly. There there's some similarities there. Um, the beat, especially the production, is very very close. Um, and you know if you want to get conspiracy theorist, it is interesting. Uh, that Biggie does say in that one line from down uh, down to the Mississippi to the East Coast. Mm, you know, it's there's some there's something there. So here's a quote. 
um, that I've got right here. So, uh, uh, B1's song came out in 93, a year before Biggie's song, uh, hit song Juicy, which is very familiar to Juicy Fruit. The track was previously uploaded to Dat Piff by B1, who seemingly addressed the similarities with the caption, quote, In 1993, I was signed to a small record label called Dragon Records in Gulfport, Mississippi. I had a song that I wrote uh, to M Tomb called Juicy Fruit. I wrote the song to the actual record, and it was called <laughs> it was called Big Daddy. Big Daddy was the lead single off the Mississippi Doughboys album that released in September 1993. It was released on the same day as Snoop Dogg's first album, Doggy Style. The Doughboys album was made by two Gulfport rappers, Till uh, Till, D, uh, Till I Die, I assume it's Till I Die, and myself is spelt with uh, the notorious Big with two G's one, notorious B one. Uh, yeah, I had the same, uh, had the name and song first. I know it might be hard to believe, but it's one hundred percent the truth. We was on the radio first and in the stores first. We sent packages to all the major labels shopping for distribution. Just imagine my surprise when people started calling me saying they've just seen my video. We was trying to get to the truth, uh, get the truth out back then. But after Big, uh, Biggie's death, I decided to leave it alone out of respect. I'm not fat anymore and has uh, and a lot of, has changed. Uh, but before I leave this bitch, I want everybody to know the truth. I was notorious uh, B-I-G-G-1, hashtag two grams. So... Considering um, the times that we have talked about, especially the Bad Boy episode, um, and the many, many times we are most likely going to talk about Diddy in the in the coming years, eh, 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 can't stop, won't stop, fucking over artists, um, this doesn't come as a surprise to me. Um, I, I, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I, <laughs> and I don't know whether to... Um, see this as Biggie Jackin or both of them Jackin or just Diddy Jackin. I think the probably the best way to think about it is just see it as a wholesale thing as everybody was in on it. Um you can't there's there's just no way I can imagine, again hypothetically, that <laughs> Biggie was just like, hey what you got? It's like, oh yeah, I, I, I just got this track, bro. It just came to me. Like it's, you, you gotta get in the booth to this one. Like you know, who who freaking knows who actually saw uh, B one? Because I believe I believe it was jacked. I'm just gonna say that straight up. I believe this this whole thing was jacked. Um, I I believe notorious B one story. Um, you don't have to if you don't want to. This is all hearsay at the end of the day. And funny enough, uh, you know, we were talking about Beyonce not um, you know, being available to. Uh, talk about this and uh, the Neptunes uh, not talking about this for um, either the reason of uh, Wolf don't compare them to, to themselves to sheep or just uh, I don't know whatever or their pussies um, but I don't see Diddy doing this I don't see Diddy coming through on Revolt just going let me set the record straight I don't see him doing that um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I don't think and I don't think hip hop journey this is just a side note this is why I'm not so high on hip-hop journalism in general because i i feel like someone should have contact to these two people in this way where you can hit up diddy for a quote and if he doesn't respond he doesn't respond obviously you don't have to but 
I feel like someone should chase us up. Why is nobody chasing us up? That's you know old I mean? school I, journalism. I, I want the facts to do it. That's not. That's, I know, you know bro, but journalism. they do it. They do it everywhere else. They even do it in sports. Yeah. Come on, bro. Like I, 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 I see why people don't like sports journalism in general, um, because it can be very vapid and very just like, oh, he he scored points today. It's like you know, it's, it's basic. I know I did it for three years. Okay, it's basic. Some some of the articles are basic as shit, but. When there are there are writers in sports journalism circles that you know um, write very great feature pieces and they manage to get access or at least, or if they can't get access they have sources to get access and get the feel of that person of how they're thinking it's possible but I just don't see that happening in hip hop journalism where you know can you not get Diddy's friend of a friend and just <laughs> do something just find a source or something everything's so fucking tight knit fucking pissing me off i kind of want clarity on this to be honest but you know you you agree with me you think uh you believe this as well um so yeah we'll be forced on it and uh the song is kind of heat by the way it's actually it's really good um you know the mix could be better but you know that's (laughs) that's, i'll I'll deem that to just youtube quality yeah i mean look it doesn't surprise me in the slightest i think this kind of behavior goes on pretty often in pop music i think you know especially when it comes to adele last year like we've done it yeah, we did actually. That was massive, right? And nothing really mm-hmm. ever came of that in the end. Um, but I think, you know, we talk about anything. We talk about blurred lines, for example. So many, so many lawsuits of uh, groups or pop artists, and most of them get settled. I'm not going to say most. A lot of them do get settled. I don't know the statistics on that. Uh, Timbaland and Jay Z obviously got. I think it was Big Pimpin or one of them and they actually got off on that but it's not common that i've read for artists to actually get off when they uh get get sued in that in that realm and it doesn't surprise me at all i mean creativity is not easy and when you're looking to make a hit and you hear something that kind of works and you're the biggest you know biggest person in the room you have the biggest checkbook in the room you have the biggest label behind you then you can steal that song a lot of people get very very cutthroat business you're gonna steal that song and, you know, I find it incredibly hard to believe that Notorious Big wasn't in on it. I'm not going to say he wasn't or he was because how could we speak to that? But considering the uh, the flow and just the vocals sound so similar, um, it almost sounds like a reference track for the original. Uh, sorry, for Juicy. Like, it, it's, it's crazy. So look, it, it makes me sad. It really does make me sad when these kind of stories come out because, you know, a song that you probably thought was one of the most influential in hip-hop of all time and maybe it did need oh, that best glow-up song ever yeah right nobody can write a better glow-up song yeah yeah exactly nobody, no better rags to riches track no and i mean maybe the only person who could have pulled that the only two people who could have pulled that off are biggie and diddy maybe it would never have been like anything like that if even if it had the label push behind it with this original artist on it and i think as a lot of the criticism of um people who say that they're ghostwriters. You know, a lot of criticism I've heard around people like Sci High, Consequence, um, Quentin Miller, is that, well, you couldn't have done this. You didn't have the connections. You didn't have the vocal ability. You didn't it's have the, point. the yeah. ego. You didn't have the person, all these things. And, yep. you know, Biggie, I mean, come on, one of the greatest personalities in hip-hop history, one of the most confident, one of the most powerful voices you know, in his hands. And that makes me, it makes me sad because I do think there is a route towards uh, making sure that all parties are well supported in this. You know, I don't think we should be as listeners denied 
of listening to Juicy for the first time. I don't think Biggie should be denied of that opportunity, but I absolutely do not think the original artist should be denied of compensation and credit where it's deserved. The problem with that, of course, is that hip hop is about authenticity. And, you know, if you're saying all of a sudden, and we've seen all the the arguments raging around Drake and about Kanye West and co-writers and co-producers, and there seems to be this move back in hip hop not in mainstream maybe, but certainly in the underground, more towards one producer, one rapper tracks, you know, where you're just seeing yeah. Alchemist producing a whole album or No ID producing. Easier. Say sorry? It makes things easier. Yeah, it makes things heaps easier. But it also means that, you know, I think that there is a really strong uh, push from a certain like niche of hip hop right now to pull it entirely back and saying, this is my story. There's no one else involved in this process. I'm producing this song. I'm writing the lyrics. You know, look at Red Veil's incredible album this year. Um, and the, my whole point is, I don't want to be denied Juicy. I don't want us to not have Juicy. But I don't want the original artist not to be compensated or credited. But if he was, would we ever really have gotten Juicy? Because then it's a whole different ball game, right? I mean, knowing that someone else wrote that song and came up with that flow and had the concept first, does that diminish from Biggie's track? Like, how do you feel about that? Ask the question again. Knowing that that song was already written prior to the same beat with a similar flow and slightly similar lyrics, does that take Mm -hmm. away from the impact and the power and the authenticity of Juicy when you look back at it? Because we've known for, what, 20 eight years now we've been listening to that song not knowing about this previous song does it change how you feel about the song now right yeah well this is this can be again this is why i feel hip-hop journalism needs to just be better because if people had like this is uh this is like uh when you listen to say it feels like um if if it had more uh, rigidity as like Motown tracks, where you're listening to one track and it's done by I don't know Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, but there's also the same track, but it's all, but it's done by Martha and the Vandellas, same lyrics but just done differently, right? Um, whatever. That's just a, that's just a more solid example um, of listening to something and being comfortable with the fact that there are different versions of it, right? If there was a if there, if this if if a uh, juicy fuck, I've lost the thing already. Why did I take it off my thing? Uh, if if the juicy uh, original track uh, was um, was popping, and then Biggie just did a you know just just did a cover of it, it would it would have probably I don't know whether it hit the same quote unquote, but it would still be on Ready to Die and it would still be a good track. So I don't see why that would damage it in any way. Um, but. I don't see. Uh, no, asking the question. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna not listen to Juicy anymore. Just, just, but I'm fine with that because I know what I deem. While it's not the factual, well, it's not the the you know truth of the truth. It's a truth that I decide to believe. But I'm not gonna let it affect my enjoyment of a really good track. I'm just aware. I just mm-hmm. it's fine being it's fine enjoying something, but also being aware of something, right? This ain't the word Ben of all the things in the world, okay? Of all the things going on in the world, 
this is low tier cognitive dissonance okay <laughs> like there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that people do on the day to day this ain't gonna this ain't gonna help me this ain't gonna uh, uh, uh take away any sleep at night <laughs> okay mm. <laughs> i'll bop juicy till the cows come home uh um but you know i'm also aware of the fact that there was this other track that you know dropped a year before and was most likely jack and and juicy was most like most likely a jacked track um if if it makes any if it makes anyone feel any better do you want to put it in brackets uh, juicy this track brackets this track was jacked Go for it. If it makes you feel better, go for it. I'm fine with that. I'm still gonna listen to the track. I'm not gonna feel bad for listening to the track, but I'm fine with it. I'm yeah, I'm fine with it because I'm aware. I'm I know, I know some sort of truth about it in some ways, whether it's you know factual or not, it's debatable. But I, like I said at the beginning, I decide to believe it, but I'm still not gonna let it damage my enjoyment for it. Um, I'm hope I hope that. Notorious B1's cool. I hope he's in a decent place. He probably he probably has been in that state for years of just like, what if? Because I can mm. definitely imagine as a creative person having something jacked and then it becoming a hip-hop classic. You would think diff- you, 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 that would uh, a stronger, a weaker man would do something drastic. Um, so, you know, salute to him you know, for keeping it under wraps under respect for biggie um and coming out with it i guess you know now um but you know <laughs> I, I wouldn't i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have uh, been that uh you know i wouldn't have wagged my finger at him for doing it as soon as the as soon as juicy dropped or after biggie died it's like i don't whenever i do it when you want to do it you have the right to talk about it um you have the right to speak your truth on that front um, but you know, respect to him. He's he's clearly a you know strong dude in some ways of just keeping under wraps until now. Um, why he decided to say it now, who knows? I don't know. But uh, you know, I'm glad he did at least um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and it's 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 an interesting problem that's unique to hip hop because in other genres of music, uh, covers yeah, yeah, yeah. are point. super commonplace. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm going to invoke the classic Johnny Cash, Nine Inch Nails, Hurt. And uh, anyone who yes, listened to Johnny, yes. <laughs> you know, look, anyone who listened to Johnny Cash's yes, version, the mainstream pick. <laughs> I mean, anyone who listened to Johnny Cash is not going to tell you, oh, it's it's not authentic because Trent Reznor did it first. Like that song is one of the most beautiful songs ever performed in in history. Like the way that Johnny exactly. Cash brought his his angle to it. I mean, listen to yep. Biggie's lyrics on here; like they're insane. You know. Like, yeah, unbelievable. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, bumping. Like, it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. iconic, iconic, iconic. Outstanding imagery. Outstanding imagery. Yeah, yeah. So shout out. Shout out to, uh, I hope that you're right. I hope he's okay. The uh, Notorious B1 was his name, right? Yeah, Notorious B1. Yeah, shout, shout out Notorious, Notorious B1. B1. And fuck hip-hop journalism right now. Seriously, yeah. get your group together. I need some insiders, bro. Like, just, just, I don't know. Just, uh, it's just, it's, uh, I, I, uh, maybe I'm just like so, uh, indoctrinated by you know actual journalism, you know, like covering politics or you know society or finance. Everywhere else, a specific niche journalism actually does journalism, but hip hop journalism is just like Jinx hosting a podcast on Spotify talking about. The, the Holy Trinity, right? What's that? 
alright <laughs> cool bro <laughs> anyway I mean that's anyway. I think that that's indicative of what people want to read they just want sensationalism they don't I know I know you know and there's a few things like I, I feel like YouTube I mean is people where... don't want to read that people would not want to read like you know breaking news uh 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 Sweetie stole a beat. I don't know. <laughs> you know I mean, just, I don't care. Just, you know, just not TMZ level bullshit, but you know what I mean? Just, uh, you know, I think... just uh, unco- uncover some shit. Uncover like fucking, you know, Warner fucking not paying somebody or some shit. Like, you know, do some digging, somebody, please. Well, I think. I think some guest investigative journalism. I think YouTubers are doing that now. I, I think that it's it's coming from YouTubers, you know, I think. Sure. Sure. I don't know, and I don't think there's a lot of, uh, you know, it, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of money in exposing major labels right now. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you go to the right outlet, if you go to the right outlet, they'll 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 hook you up. I'm sure. Hmm. If you're yeah, if you're if you're a mu- if you're a music if you're a music journalist of like you know a certain publication or whatever, and you and you're like and mate, if you're the Ronan Farrow of music journalism, you're getting paid. I'm sorry, you're getting paid. All right, it's gonna happen. Yeah, but there's only one. Sure. You know, there's <laughs> not. It's not a. It's not a widely populated lane. Whereas, you can do twelve oh, posts shit. about. It's a lane. You can it's do twelve lane. posts about what Kevin Gates said on some podcast about. You know. No. No. You know what I mean? That's it's low. It's low tier because it's it just gets clicks. People I love, love how... that shit. I love how you actually sent me that Kevin Gates thing, and I was like, "Fuck off!" Like I usually do whenever you send me that vapid bullshit. And then we're actually talking about it in some way. Fuck's sake, excuse me. But That's music journalism in 2022. Pain. Nothing but pain. Pain and suffering. Mm. I'm hungry. Let's anyway. jump into a... Let's are, we doing in. the, are we doing the final thing? Or are we how much time? We how long are we going? Hour and ten? Yeah, we've been in now, so... Let's do a lighter note. I mean, we've just... like all The only final... The final thing was it's impossible to make it in the industry without signing to a major label and scene. And onto a lighter note. <laughs> and see, yep, yep, kind of just, yeah, answered, answered it before you even asked the question. <laughs> uh, lighter note, what have we got? What have we got, Ben? I'm stoked that the Premier League season is back. But I want to, I just want to rant very quickly because obviously the Premier League okay. is very exclusive. Uh, a lot of people watch it. It's very difficult to watch. Uh, certainly yeah. outside of the UK, we only have one provider in the in Australia who, uh, like, they obviously pay for the rights to it, and they would have paid them. Like, I mean, we take only have one as well. So, well, there you go. But the, the problem in yeah. Australia is they they're charging us two hundred dollars for the full season, and every fifteen minutes they put two minutes of unskippable ads in the games. Now that oh, I was watching Arsenal, uh, who do they play? Crystal Palace on the first day Palace, yeah. with my dad, yeah, yeah, and we were just losing our minds watching these advertisements that were unskippable. It, it, it blew my freaking mind. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? And it's the same three ads every single time. So, like, the Dungeons & Dragons ad, uh, an ad for FIFA, and Katy Perry's latest Uber Eats or Menu Log ad. And, oh, that's so bad. Oh, it was horrendous, bro. How they removed Snoop Dogg and replaced it with that is a travesty. Nah, I mean, I love Katy Perry. I saw her live. I think she's... um... Snoop Dogg out was goaded. I was like, like, my favorite ad in years. Snoop skated, but that's Snoop. Somebody say, That bag must have been heavy. (laughs) Absolute bag. 
Um, I will say um, I was trying to look up like subscription to Sky Sports um, football only package. Um, there's one here from I think it's last year, so it's not um, quite up to date. But um, uh, football only sports package for eighteen pound a month. So it's a little bit uh, less, a little bit less than well, actually close. One, well, yeah, one eighty, and then a couple more. So yeah, not yeah, too far off your two hundred. That's pound um, for just football, for just a football any. <laughs> That's probably like two fifty, two sixty Australian dollars, I reckon. Oh right, they oh yeah, converted as well. Yeah, so yeah, probably <laughs> more expensive. Go. Oh well, shit. Maybe I should be counting my blessings. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, take it, take it, take take the dub, take the dub. Because yeah, nah, Sky Sports and Sky Sky in general, like I I, it's a it's, I I I I'm trying to. It's it's one of those things that I can't quite get my head around when it comes to the when it comes to the actual subscription because they have so much, and especially in the past couple of years, they've added so much. They've like add, they've like created like three channels. They've taken they basically jack channels. They they took the History Channel and just called it Sky History. Um, they took a, a channel called Sci Fi and just called it Sky Sci Fi, and they just revamped it and just put it under their umbrella um and you know they have all the sports they sky sports f1 they you know do other sports as well obviously but most it's mostly football rugby cricket you know the general shit um but i can't i can't get my head around the prices they do movies as well and there's like 15 channels specifically there not in not include not including stuff like film Four and tcm and stuff like that um on the actual just you know skybox or whatever they just have so much stuff and it's kind of overwhelming. And now I can get shit from Paramount Plus for free. I can just mm. watch whatever I want from that. Um, they, they have a deal with HBO. So meanwhile, while uh, I'm seeing my American friends have an absolute fucking tizzy about fucking uh, uh, HBO uh, and Discovery becoming kind of like the same thing, like merging, Warner, Warner's merging basically with Discovery and uh, they've made Discovery for the females or, you know, the, the you know, the, they skew the females. <laughs> the memes are great. Um, and HBO is more for the, for the males, the, for the males that like, sig- uh, the, um, they're like, oh, I said Sigma, uh, they're like scripted content um, and uh, the reality TV show and the, you know, unscripted content, quote unquote, for the females with a more female skew to Discovery. While all that's going on, I'm big chilling with a Sky Max, and they're just showing good shit over there. Like boom, Sky Atlantic show shit from HBO sometimes. Um, I saw Insecure there. Um, they just do really. They just they just have a lot. Uh, you can you can if you have an Apple Netflix or whatever subscription, you can go right on the Sky thing and just hit Apple TV Plus, and boom, you're watching it already. You boom, you're in. It's just really fucking easy, bro. Like, it's the only ecosystem closer to being unmovable for me personally. Um, And I can't relate to Apple because I'm out of that. I've been out of that ecosystem for years now. But it's very close to something like that. I can imagine someone being so deep in the Apple ecosystem, it's impossible to get out of it. And I can see that for Sky, for me, when it comes to Sky as well, there's just so much good shit on there. And they just provide such, such good variety that I can't really say no. And I and you know they they raise the prices like mad, you know as as you do. Um, you know I have to lash my sister mad money for it just to you know just to keep it going. Um, but and we even got sports by the way. I mean, we even got sports. Here's what it is what it's. 
Um, but damn, they got so much. They got so much shit. So I respect it, and I respect the entire. And I've been, a, I've been, a, I've been privileged when it comes to that. I've, I've been, I've had nine hundred channels, including radio, for for since I was, you know, since I can, as long as I can remember. I never had Freeview. I never had, uh, you know, like my mum back in the day did having four channels, sometimes three, sometimes two, depending on where you when you were born. I've had nine hundred like channels for, for all my life, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I'm privileged as shit. I not I can't get rid of that. It's impossible. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, we had like five channels, and then we got Foxtel, you know which I mean? is our our version of Sky, which um mm-hmm. I always struggle with because Rupert Murdoch owns it, and I f- oh, he's yeah, one of the yeah, worst yeah. humans yeah, in the no, world. Yeah. But anyway, we're not again gonna, cognitive dissonance. That's yeah, the shit gonna, I'm talking about. Get too That's far into the that. shit I'm talking about. But I remember, I remember when we got Foxtel, Ooh. and we, there was this channel called Channel V, which was basically our MTV. And All I right. took two days off school because I'd never seen anything like it in my life. I faked sickness for two days after we got it. And I sat on that couch in front of that TV <laughs> and watched about mm. 7,200 music videos. I did not leave. I was just like, what the frick is this? Like, if you're thinking seeing at home, Link, like, when was the last time you even watched a music video? Because no one cares about them anymore. But back then... Mm. Oh man, that was a lit 48 hours just like realizing. And all I did for the next like month was just park myself in front of that TV and watch music videos. It was wild. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, oh man, that's, that's Old just, man. It's just crazy. When it, it, I remember, it's in the same, in a similar vein, I remember when Skylander came down and it was the, it was literally the channel of my dreams back then. Um, I remember the intro to it. Where it was like Dustin Hoffman talking about stories, and it was just it really just fucking hooked me as an ad. Um, and then uh, it drops, and they were like playing. They had like Sopranos on there. Uh, I think The Wire, maybe. They had some new stuff as well. Borderwick Empire, I think, dropped around that time as well. So they were just they were showing American stuff uh, on that channel, and I was just like, thank you, finally somebody's done it. It, I was waiting so long for stuff like that, um, and yeah, man, it was that. That was, oh God, that was that was a great that was a great year of my life. That was a great year to, I, I, I was glued to the TV, just watching everything that I was not able to watch for for a long time. And I was, like, I really want to watch this, and then they had it. I was like, oh my gosh, I can watch this. Oh man, just watching the wire over like a month was absolute heaven. Glorious. Do you Absolute remember glorious. the time? That's why I'm listening. I'm watching Suits at the moment. I'm rewatching Suits. And uh, <laughs> are bro, you look at me. You, I love how you say like, "Oh, Suits is Suits is trash." But I'm, it I'm is though. It, it is it. trash. But like, sheesh, bro, sheesh, the sheesh, wild sheesh. thing about Suits is the main character is well, he's not the least likable, but he's the second least likable character on the entire show because it's the re- cockiness, bro. It's the BDE. It's great. No, all the time, everyone's yeah. just fucking testosterone up, bro. That's cool. Harvey's, got a, big Harvey's a great character. Harvey's a great character. Mike is such bro, an annoying know-it-all. But worse, worse character is is Rachel. She's just a wrecking ball, man. Like she's just all over the like. After she cheats on Mike with Logan when they're in a long-term committed relationship, living together, she comes to his house and like emotionally blackmails him by saying, "Hey, remember that time you slept with someone when we weren't dating?" And Mike's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. This is the exact same thing. I forgive you." Like what? No, it's not the same. Like. I didn't say the writing was, you know, top tier, all right? I didn't say that. 
<laughs> Lewis is a great character. Lewis is a really... Lewis pisses me off. No, Lewis nah. is the guy that pisses me off. Nah. Nah, he has his funny moments, but overall he's a bit of bitch made. I'm not going to lie. Of course he's he is, but that's his, that's his point, man. He's just he's like... A bit bitch made. Lewis, Harvey, and Donna are the, the three... They're, they're really good characters. Harvey's a really well-written character. I think that he's yeah. actually a really well-written character. I think that... Well, not disrespect my, my queen like that, bro. Jessica... Yes. Yeah, Jessica's great. Put respect Jessica's... on Jessica's name. No, Jessica's Dina Torres. Jessica's really good. Um, yeah, man, I'm I'm halfway through season. Well, I'm almost done with season four. I really but it's a rewatch. Her solo show. Say. I want to watch her. I want to watch her solo show. Has she got one? I have a... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she goes back to Chicago. Um, oh, for real? With a with a, I think was it Morris Chestnut? I forget who the actor dude was, but she went back to Chicago with somebody. Um and uh, yeah, continued her lawyer stuff. Um, oh, I think I only went for like two seasons. If I remember oh, correctly. um, Te- what's his name? The guy that she hired from the SEC that she was in a relationship yeah. with. Just yeah, the dark skin brother, not Dude Hill, but the other dark skin brother. I think it was Morris Chestnut. I forget. Yeah, um, he was. He was, but yeah. he was part of their firm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they went back to Chicago together, if I remember correctly. But yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, I just I was like, damn, that's. I really want to watch that so bad. Like, it's just like, yeah, she's she's such a boss character. Yeah, Honestly, for me, when it comes to suits, the one thing I like um, uh, uh, over everything is just purely the aesthetics. I know it's, it's mainly based. It's mainly based in Toronto, and it's supposed to be in New York. Um, but the aesthetics, are, I just love the aesthetics. I love yeah. how I love how the offices look. I like they're very modern. I like suits. that kind of shit. Uh, just the uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not a suit guy, as you can imagine. Um, Neither am I. <laughs> I, I. I respect it. I respect. I respect. I respect. Yeah, the, not, I respect the sharpness. I'm like, not they, gonna they wear. They look sharp. I'm not gonna yeah, wear. I'm them. not too so uncomfortable. I'm, yeah, no, no. It's just. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I res. I respect the vibe. I respect the vibe that they portray. Um, I like the. Uh, I just like the aesthetics. It's just. It's just really nice to look at. Um, you know, glass buildings and all that kind of stuff. It's just what I. It's 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 similar to like you know people like succession for probably that same reason um but suits doesn't take themselves too seriously mm. um and neither does succession in some ways but i mean i've talked about that i i can't i can't get into that show cuz i don't know whether it's a comedy or or a drama it's something in the middle but it kind of sends me mixed signals but suits is just i i mean i'm not dissing you for rewatching it i respect you for rewatching it it's just funny how you told me you finished it and you was like I hate, I hate that. that was we had it. We talked about it on air, right? Did we talk uh, yeah, about we it? Did we? Yeah. We did. And I was just like the last two seasons. <laughs> I was just like really pushing myself. The last two kilometers of a marathon. You know, you're really like, <laughs> I want this shit yeah, to be yeah. done. You, you know, it takes yeah. forever. They, they should have. Yeah, they should have. They should have killed it after um, Megan got married. So yeah, they should have probably done that. Yeah. Just yeah. Be real. Just, I just did. Be, um, they, they kept. They kept it going. But yeah. I did post yesterday also I want I, I want to know how you feel about this. I said that Top Gun is a great movie and I got fucking eviscerated yesterday. What do people not like Top Gun? I don't understand that. I mean, I haven't seen Top Gun. Uh, oh. I mean, yeah. I, I it's a, it's I mean, for one thing, so many legal things are there just that uh, I think I saw a, a YouTube video where like uh, they analyzed Top Gun legally. And it was just like, yeah, he'd be in jail. Like, he, that's that's jail. That's jail. Like, that's jail. That's jail. Basically, like, you know, just just 
just Air Force stuff, like the amount of rules he breaks is absurd. Um, so yeah, I get why people like it. Um, I think now, uh, with the second one that came out, it was kind of just, um, you know, the Americana thing coming back yeah. and not really giving a fuck about, you know, US military and geopol- ge- the geopolitical stance of it. It is interesting. I think there's a fun fact about the first Top Gun is that they don't actually say who the enemy is. No, you have no idea they who don't. the enemy is. You assume you it's don't. Russia because it was during the Cold War, but they you don't. And they're MiGs. They're MiGs. So, but yeah. you don't know. No. It might be China. Who knows? Like, so I respect that kind of ambiguity because a lot of films back then especially rode that shit. Oh, yeah. Rode Russia. That shit it was death. Russia, bro. Bruv, Rocky, bruv. Like, that, that's not even the same. That's not even the same thing but a sports movie got political you know what i mean that's how that's how charged it was back in the day even so stuff like the sum of all fears and and like you know stuff like that it is always yeah, russia man they're always it. hammering russia with that stuff <laughs> i respect i respect uh, top gun for not actually saying who the enemy was but yeah. just allowing people to just, just be just be what whatever they feel whatever they feel who who is against america the most i guess but um I guess it's universal on that front, and you can pick and choose who you want. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I, I I don't know. I, I guess it's just because Top Gun's very macho and very American. I think that's probably why people don't rate it. Um, but you know, you're not, you're probably not the, you know, the only person to like Top Gun. So um, you know, I can't, I can't hate you too much on it. Um, I, I haven't seen it, so I don't, I don't really. I know what it is, but you know, I just never had the urge to see Top. I don't like to see that many tom cruise movies give me mission impossible give me the first jack oh, reacher can... and that's it oh and maybe the color of money the one with paul uh paul newman that's that's a fucking heat film apart from those i'm good <laughs> i like him a I'm lot good, mate i don't like i don't rate yeah, him good. highly as well i don't know him as a person but i mean I as a human he's weird like, I yeah, just, I, there's so many stories about yeah, him i'm not, as I'm not weird. too worried you, you heard um you heard about you know heard you heard about christian bale right uh when he did american psycho <clears throat> they no. based the character off Tom Cruise. For real? Yeah. Oh, look it up. It's fact. Yeah, look it up. Like, oh. Chris Bell had just said that. <laughs> oh, shit. That... That's, the, that's the levels. That's the levels we're getting. That's crazy. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> that's that's levels. That's, that's levels. scary. Yeah, okay. that's levels. So, um, yeah, apparently Tom Cruise is a bit of a bit of a nutcase. But, you know, it is what it is. He, he you know, he gets it. He gets it. I can't hate. I can't hate on the artist. Gets the job done. Like, he does... He, Mission Impossible is probably like the best action series period to me. I feel like none of them miss. I, I can't in my no. mind. I don't, I, yeah, they're pretty fucking good. Like, they just I mean, keep up in the ante and not in a stupid way like Fast and Furious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not stupid. Like, not they're stupid like stupid shit. Jumping out of but, planes in tanks. <laughs> yeah, that what are we doing here, bro? Like eight, the A team reboot did that, bro. Like come yeah. on. Like, that was at least, pretty good. At least if you're gonna be, if you're gonna do dumb shit, at least be original with it. Like the A team with Bradley Cooper and Liam Neeson did that, bro. Yeah, that's like, what that was on, cool. Bro. That was a good. That was the right reboot. Um, but yeah. Anyway, shout out to the older A team. By the way, I actually used to watch it. Um, it was like just there, and I recorded like a few series of it. I was just like, it's, kind of, it's the same episode over and over again, but it's, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. It's fun. I mean, suits is, uh, it suits too. 
Suits is the and same suits. episode. <laughs> Over and over this and is, over it's, again. It's not even guilty pleasures, man. It's just like, you know, we acknowledge these as not the height of anything, but, you know, they're fun. They're, they're fun to watch. It is what it is, man. So shout out to all those shows and films that we just suggested. Yeah, um, for sure. Recommended recommended watching for you guys if you have time on your hands to watch. Oh, you know, movie. I've got my wallet sitting right next to me and there's a little bit of a $100 oh, note. God, here Remember? we go again. Is there a candle nearby? Remember when I burnt that $100 note, right? So I took it into, <laughs> I took it into my bank. And she said that well, she wouldn't. We got an update. They said that they wouldn't exchange it for me. This is this is about a month oh, yeah. ago. And she said, "Why? Yeah. What happened?" And I said, "Well, this is gonna be hard to believe, but I burnt it <laughs> <laughs> in a candle while I was recording a podcast episode." And so she refused to replace it for me. She said, "I'm not gonna do that." <laughs> so I had to go to the bank next door, and she wouldn't do it either. But when I told her. The bank next door hadn't done it for me. Then she got really territorial and she's like, oh, well, I'll definitely do it for you then. So, like, I played the two banks off against each other and I got the hundred back. But, Outstanding. Like, I was not going to lose that hundred dollar note, man. I needed that. That's that's groceries so for, like, back. two weeks. Jesus. Hey, man. I, I, honestly, it's, 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 it's a, I apologize to everyone listening. I should have asked for an update. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to seem like you know, too egocentric. I didn't want to make it all about me. I was waiting for Charlie to bring it up, but he didn't, and it's just I, been I bubbling up in me, and it's finally I boiled over. I had to tell the people yeah. what happened that's to that hundred dollar note, and uh, he, he got the job done. Uh, oh, the legend of the hundred dollar bill is back. If only that's I, you he know, that's why I invoked. I invoked my Harvey Specter when I went into that second bank, and I'm like, I'm going to negotiate this hundred dollar bill yeah, back you, into you, my were wallet. You, were you just like, were you just putting putting the moves on, putting moves on them with the eyes and the you know eyebrows and stuff? Like yeah, that. I had the eyebrows, had the haircut, you know. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit of spike up, but not yeah. like you know, not full on two thousand and threes spike up, but like, you know, a little yeah. bit of. Not with the tips. Not the Justin yeah, Timberlake straight, tips. Put, put the bass up a bit. You know what I mean? Just put the yeah. bass up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had I'm one of those back big, in the day too. I mean, it was it was definitely a thing. I mean, what white kid didn't back in the day? That's anyway, very ladies true. and gentlemen, <laughs> from the fifth <laughs> podcast network, we shall finish there. <laughs> Digging digits. So enjoy this episode. I'm a child. Say this Have you been Kyle hip hop numbers? I remember when I waxed my hair back in the day. Worst move ever. Yeah, yeah I, I did it too. Worst move. I. Did not fit my hair at all, dipped it. I was just like, oh, this is horrible, never do this again. Uh, Hope you all have a good week. I'm sure he's trying to do the same. Don't wear hair wax. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. Nah, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. There's a chill music for the ability to use. Socials with Fenomen Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Music will be in the full show notes as well as the names of products reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Fit Podcast Air Production. Thanks for spending the time with us. What should we see you next time? I'm digging in the digits. <laughs>